what if we got sued by the Triscuit Company? We're already really borderline on this episode. Okay, so, okay. Me pushing my love. <laughs> no Triscuits. and welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week we'll be breaking down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. You guys know the drill by now. Sarah, tell us what we're talking about in this episode. Today we're covering one of the most fucked up and notorious child murders of all time, the death of John Benet Ramsey. Oof, yes, the unsolved murder of Jean Benet Ramsey. If you were alive in the U.S. in the 90s, you've probably heard of the case of the six-year-old child pageant star found dead in her Boulder, Colorado home. The circumstances surrounding her death are murky at best, and there's definitely a lot of speculation. And even though thousands of children lose their lives every year, Jean Benet's death is still talked about today and truly, like Sarah said, one of the most infamous child murder cases in history. I like how you say it like very French, like Jean Benet. Like it I'm is. just like John Benet <laughs> when I say it. <laughs> I think it is Jean Benet, but maybe it's not. No, it's it hundred percent is pronounced like that. I just okay. choose to ignore <laughs> it. Um, but John Benet Ramsey was born on August 6, nineteen ninety, to her parents John and Patsy Ramsey. She was the baby of the family, and she had a brother Burke who was a few years older. Everyone described John Bonet as this cute little outgoing girl who loved being the center of attention. So the question on all of our minds at the beginning of every episode needs to be asked, Dana, what were her big three? John Bonet has her son in Leo, her moon in Aquarius, and a Gemini rising. Something to take into account when reading a child's chart is that their placements can be reflective of the expectations and ideals in their family and environment. So... Um, The sun represents our will, purpose, and sense of vitality, evolution of identity, and Leo is ruled by the sun, so Leo represents the self. Leos are dramatic, stubborn, and passionate. Leos spend most of their time striving to be the center of attention. I feel like Patsy Ramsey probably birthed a Leo on purpose, um, but it really sounds like the characteristics you would need to be great at being a beauty queen. For sure. And Leos deeply, and let me just really stress deeply (laughs) validation and approval from their parents and caretakers. And so when this is thwarted, they will instinctively modify their behavior in order to get this need met. Obviously this can inhibit um, development and the child risks like locking into a role that is like well beyond childhood. That is not who they truly are or feel uh, reflects their, you know, truth. A good example of this would be Tinsley Mortimer from Real Housewives of New York City, um, specifically the time that she dressed up as a child's doll and moonlighted uh, at the circus. Oh, my God. Yes. I, I like right when you brought this up, I knew you were about to say Tinsley. And what that scene is like deeply traumatic to me. <laughs> yeah, she so has like her cheeks are rouged. <laughs> yes. And she ended um, the night crying in her mother's lap. And so I thought that was like a good example of like what I thought of when I think like thought of a Leo kind of locking into a role um, that's like juvenile. And then I looked up her birth chart, which confirmed that she was a Leo son. And I was like, aha. Wow. <laughs> Validation nation over there. Validation yeah. nation. Like literally that was so cringe. And now I'm going to like forever associate crying in your mom's lap as a purely like Leo move. So, <laughs> so moving on to her moon, um, the moon represents our emotions. It's how we act without thinking, revealing our most instinctual behavior and emotional patterns. Um, it's also our mother. 
And so Aquarius moon is friendly, independent, and unconventional. Aquarius moons need emotional freedom. They may appear cold, aloof, or detached. And to an extent, this can be true. But Aquarius moons are also extremely supportive and able to offer support without emotion and meshing emotionally with whomever they are supporting or offering advice. Um, Leo and Aquarius are opposite signs in the zodiac. So this means that Jean Benet was born on a full moon. People born on full moons are called to learn lessons in life about human relationships. And furthermore, Jean Benet was born on a lunar eclipse. Whoa. Which, like, literally, yeah, being born on an eclipse is like, what the actual fuck? That is completely insane. Just because eclipses are such a strong and unpredictable energy. So yeah, eclipses are basically like portals or wormholes. Um, you can think of the movie Donnie Darko as like an example of a, an artistic display of an eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> Being born on an eclipse can just mean that like you're meant to deal with extreme circumstances in life. It's not necessarily like bigger or more beyond, but it does kind of lend itself to sort of like extreme circumstances beyond being born on a full moon or a new moon. Interesting. And based on accounts of her, you know, a lot of people said she didn't act like a child and she was somewhat detached. So while this could definitely be because of her Aquarius full moon, this could also be because she was dealing with those extreme circumstances or trauma in her life. Children who act like adults are traumatized. Yeah, um, so sure. finally, we have Jean Benet's Gemini rising. Um, and you know how I feel about Gemini's positively. <laughs> so <laughs> the rising sign is also known as our ascendant. It's the first house of our birth chart. It sets the landscape for our personalities. It describes our identity, personality, physical body, and appearance. But I guess I'm curious, you know, we've never read a child's chart um, before, but, you know, I guess your if your rising sign is your outward personality, she's so young, would that even be developed yet? Yeah, well, at this age, it would be more like what's projected on her from her family and her environment. But regardless, Gemini risings are like naturally extremely curious, smart, adaptable, perceptive, and funny. And so this generally gives them the ability to like soften tension, kind of like perform in a way that's like cute and fun. So looking at John Bonet's chart, she's a Leo, which means she's super peacocky, loves the attention. She's a Gemini rising, which may not have been developed since she was so young, but typically they're very sociable, very fun to talk to, like life of the party. And she's also an Aquarius moon. Aquarius moons need freedom and can come off as like kind of detached, kind of aloof. So we know that the big three is just the beginning. So what are some other themes in her chart? Something that's like a signature in her chart is um, oppositions. There are a ton of oppositions in her chart. I'd say it's a theme. Oppositions are when two planets are 180 degrees away from each other or opposite signs. They are considered a hard aspect. Um, Having them isn't something that's uncommon and it doesn't necessarily spell doom for anyone. But oppositions create tension of judgment or conflict that ultimately gives the native awareness and balance. Are oppositions like bad, would you say? They're not bad. I mean, they're also like, they're common. So they are just conflicting energies. Um, So you feel them more. She has her sun and moon opposite, which we mentioned before. And she also has two oppositions that I think are really important. Mars opposite Pluto and Saturn opposite Venus. For Mars opposite Pluto, Mars is a planet of power and aggression. Mars wants to be in charge and responsible for outcomes. And Pluto is the planet of mystery, abrupt um, transformation and points of no return. Her Mars is also in the 12th house, which rules secrets, which suggests that others project their anger onto her. Overall, this aspect signals 
like repressing emotions and this repression can manifest as a strong will to achieve and like tunnel vision to win. But it could also mean that you don't know how to handle your emotions or don't have an outlet for them. And so they just erupt. And then for Saturn opposite Venus, um, Saturn is a planet of discipline and restriction and Venus is a planet of values, love, money and creativity. So this aspect can breed trust issues and feelings of unworthiness or unworthy of a parent's love literally like that's oh, tr- no. like what this aspect is considered and or like just having, paying parents who are cold and so for me it kind of underscores like the um parts of her aquarius moon which are also ruled by saturn that are just kind of like a cold and like lonely existence oh my god wow I'm sure you can feel the energy that we have, which is <laughs> yeah, really sad. Um, <laughs> it's just a really sad chart. And it's kind of sounds like she may have had a really hard time expressing or dealing with emotions. Obviously, it's hard for children of such a young age anyway, but it seems like family issues could have definitely been in, at play here. So obviously, that was like some emo stuff. But JonBenet's life, she was crushing it at the pageants. And I mean, it makes sense. At this time, she's this precious little beauty queen who at six was very, very successful at just like destroying the competition in pageants. And that makes a lot of sense because, you know, you really need your personality to stand out on stage. And who better to like lap up that attention than someone with a Leo son and then a, the chatty Kathy herself, Gemini Rising. Um, so some of the titles she won were America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Charlevoix, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl, which sounds like not a real thing, and National Tiny Miss Beauty. <laughs> National Tiny Miss Beauty sounds fake, like something that Chris Harrison would use to like lure someone into a room and be like, what are you doing here? Oh my God. <laughs> Did you come here for the National Miss Beauty pageant? Tiny, Tiny Miss Beauty? Miss Beauty? Um, Honestly, if Chris Harrison would have been there, it probably would have helped a lot of people out over the years. But anyway, um, JonBenet was the type of competition where like when you saw that she was in a show, you'd be like, you know, like moms would be like, just like, fuck it, load up the station wagon. What's (laughs) even the point of competing? Um, So she was like a really big deal in the pageant circuit. And a lot of people thought she was set to follow in the footsteps and become a true pageant queen, just like her mom, Patsy. Patsy Ramsey. Yeah, she was a former beauty queen herself. She was crowned Miss West Virginia in 1977. And she got a lot of shit because she was pretty much your classic overbearing pageant mom. Also, she apparently dyed Jean Bonnet's hair blonde, which is just totally not appropriate at all for a six-year-old. Yeah, like so um, fucked up. Like literally un- unsafe. But the public was very critical of John and Patsy for pretty much sexualizing their daughter and forcing her to follow in her mother's footsteps. So I feel like there's got to be an interesting bywheel between Jean Bonnet and Patsy. And P.S., just a quick reminder, the bywheel is when you take two people's charts and you overlap them so you kind of can see how the planets and houses interact with each other and it helps you understand their relationship. Thank you, Sarah. So the bywheel <laughs> for Jean Bonnet and Patsy reveals some tension that isn't super surprising for a mother and daughter who are both pageant queens. Um, they have both loving and agreeable aspects as well as aspects indicating darker undercurrents that are at play, which are the ones that I will focus on. <laughs> um, for instance, Patsy has Pluto in zero degrees Virgo um, in Jean Bonnet's fourth house of home and early childhood development. And this squares JonBenet's zero-degree Gemini ascendant. Squares are aspects that occur between two planets or sensitive points. Um, and when one person's Pluto squares, well, and there, it's a 90-degree angle, so it's a tension 
creating aspect. Um, when one person's Pluto scores another person's rising, the Pluto person's need for change and disruption forces the ascendant person to defend their ideals or acquiesce to the changing norms of the relationship. It can be oppressive and it can be a call to growth. Also, it could suggest that Patsy um, kind of like forced Sean Bonet to keep secrets because Pluto's a planet of secrets. And Ooh, shit. either way, it's uncomfortable. Creepy. Yeah, yeah, well, that's like a new layer of like weirdness added to this. But like already just hearing like... Patsy's Pluto at zero degrees Virgo to me is like psychotic Virgos are obviously known for being very detail oriented and want to do everything the right way, which is always their way. Like their way is the (laughs) only way because it's the right way. So having this placement means Patsy was an insane perfectionist, especially when it came to John Bonet, which makes sense looking back because, you know, she's a pageant mom. She wanted to make John Bonet this like perfect queen. I just feel like this tension between John Bonet and Patsy's planet shows that Patsy had a pretty oppressive power over John Bonet. So I don't know. I feel like we we come to see this when we kind of find out what what happens to John Bonet. So Sarah, can you can you walk us through that a little bit? Yes. Yeah, so kind of like Christmas that year for the Ramses was like pretty legit. Like literally they're rich people. So like rich people Christmas, you know, it's like not fucking around. They probably got like 10 speed bikes, like probably a Barbie Jeep, which like bless up. But December 26th rolls around and John, (laughs) I always wanted a Barbie Jeep. I wanted one so bad. I had a Barbie convertible. I used to... (laughs) The dry cleaner's daughter at my corner had one and she would like drive it by my house and like beep until I came outside and then she would just like speed away. And so oh, I was so I used so to pissed. do that kind of stuff. With oh my God. <laughs> I had the convertible though, not the I used Jeep. to make my brother pull me in our little red wagon because I was like so <laughs> oh, yeah, desperate. I always wanted a brother and you had a real brother. I just had a convertible. I don't know what's better, <laughs> a Barbie car or a brother. I- I'm still unclear. I'm assuming like... John Bonet, like for sure, had the Barbie <laughs> Jeep. Um, but anyway, she didn't have that long to enjoy it because oh. December. <laughs> okay. Because December 26 rolls around and John and Patsy wake up to see John Bonet missing. Then they find this ransom note demanding money in exchange for getting her back. So they call the police. And then the police come. They eventually discover the six year old's lifeless body in the basement. AKA it was a wine cellar, but they call it the basement. After an autopsy, the medical examiner determines Jamini died of strangulation and a skull fracture. So sad. I feel like I'm going to, I keep saying it, but it's still just like really dark. But Dana, what was going on for Jean Benet at this time? Right. So, okay. For this, um, there's a ton going on and we're going to be looking at Jean Benet's annual perfections, which as a reminder, perfections are a predict- predictive system used to identify annual themes of a person's year by moving the ascendant 30 degrees around the chart on each birthday. So basically each year you have a different highlighted house and planet to watch for because whatever happens in these areas is going to affect you. It's like your theme for the year. Bingo. So Jean <laughs> was in a seventh house year, <laughs> which is one-on-one partnerships. And her seventh house is in Sagittarius, which is ruled by Jupiter. Um, and Jupiter is the annual time lord then. So that's how we deduce the annual time lord. Her natal Jupiter is in Cancer in her second house, which is another activated house. So that's seventh and two. Um, so the most important transits for the year are happening in the seventh house and the second house and anything that Jupiter transits or anything that transits her Jupiter. So wait, let me just get this straight. So anything that happens with Jupiter, Jupiter is luck and expansion. 
And so the planets that come into her second house, which is money and finances, right? Yes. And then the seventh house is partnerships. So that's that's going to those are the two areas where it's really going to affect her. Yes, the second house can also deal with um, personal values. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, right. So on the day she died, there was a full moon connecting with her natal Jupiter, a.k.a. her time lord, which magnifies the gravity of all of these transits. And there's honestly so much happening with the transits in her chart at this time that we don't have time to cover within one episode. But a huge transit that caught my attention was that Pluto was exactly conjunct or connecting with her natal part of fortune. Yeah, Um, like, that's not good. Like, obviously. You know that she's dead, but like that's like not good whatsoever. <laughs> so, nice. so, the part of fortune. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to laugh. Not at death, but at my friend Sarah. <laughs> Um, the part of fortune is not a physical body, but a calculation used by ancient astrologers to predict outcomes in a native's life. And the part of fortune deals with circumstances and events beyond our control, um, not money, but uh, includes things that are done unto our physical bodies. Um, and again, things that are outside of our control. So Pluto connecting with the part of fortune isn't a death marker on its own, but with the Time Lord transiting her natal uh, eighth house. Eighth house um, is which, death and taxes. Bingo. So, yeah, so Jupiter was transiting her eighth house in Capricorn and it's opposite her natal Jupiter, which marks a moment um, where there is something done under her body beyond her control. Pluto doesn't always mean death, but with all the other transits occurring, they come together to confirm the end of Jean Benet's life uh, at this time. Wow. That's a lot. Um, uh, But I do I have to ask, I feel like forming a theory here. What is there anything going on with Uranus? I just feel like generally it shows up in some way when there's like sudden death, not by natural causes. Is that true? I don't know. I feel like we've talked about that a little bit. With my anus? No, Uranus, actually, yes. sorry, Uranus. Uranus. So actually, yes. Germany's transiting sun connected with Uranus and transiting Uranus was opposite her natal sun connecting with her natal north node. Stay with me here. Uranus rules a few things. Most importantly, uh, this is change. Um, Uranus is often present in sudden death. The sun is herself. The north node is fate. These transits indicate sudden change surrounding herself, her fate, and her destiny. So basically all these translates come together to spell the fuck out in a million ways that she was going to die and not of natural wow. causes. So tears for John Bonet. And the death of John Bonet became a huge media sensation. To say everyone was talking about her is legit an understatement. Normally the death of a kid is like super messed up, but there was this weird fascination with her, mainly because of her participation in beauty pageants. People just could not like wrap their heads around or get over the makeup she wore or like the taffeta costumes. So there was this layer to this story that really sexualized her. Yeah. And it's really important to keep in mind that this happened in the mid 90s when child beauty pageants were not a mainstream thing and not widely talked about in any sort of traditional media. So like aka the show Toddlers and Tiaras didn't exist. Honey Boo Boo was not a meme. People truly didn't know that little girls were wearing a ton of eyeliner and dressing like they were 21. So I just feel like there's got to be something happening around this time that would sort of cause the media to just be really fixated on this one aspect. Yeah, well, at this point, Mercury was retrograding Capricorn exactly conjunct the sun, um, making the energies of these two planets like inseparable and functioning within each other. Conjunctions are when two planets are in the same degree of the same sign. Uh, Mercury rules news media communications and retrogrades just like amplify the energy of that planet so altogether, mm. it's like boom here we are 
Here we are. Yes, here we are. So this transit means everybody was talking about John Bonet. If we had Facebook at this time, probably even your grandma would have shared a post about it, probably misspelled and with a very <laughs> ill-placed emoji. <laughs> like, imagine it. It would be horrifying. Um, besides the media, John Bonet's murder had a huge impact on culture. There was this, like, this was the beginning of the true crime obsession that we see today. There were a ton of books, documentaries, and made-for-TV movies created all about her death. Even the pedophile jerk fest, Toddlers and Tierras. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I had an opening. I had to take it. Oh, um, God. Even that show could be attributed to her. But one of the biggest results of her case was the creation of the armchair detective, which is huge. Like this was ground zero for the public getting on the internet to attempt to solve the crime themselves. Like don't fuck with cats wouldn't exist without John Bonet. Oh my God. Don't fuck with cats is so crazy. I don't know if you guys saw it on Netflix, but I have a lot of say, I have a lot to say about it, but I'll refrain. But I mean, it definitely wasn't the same type. Um, The internet was a different place when the case first broke open. Like, remember, this was the 90s. The World Wide Web was truly only text. Like, there wasn't any YouTube, no Facebook, no Reddit, no Instagram. The the internet was truly just, like, text and message boards. But after the JonBenet case broke, people became really obsessed. And they were like, we have to find a way to connect with other people. And they just went online to compare clues and solve the case. Honestly, the purity of the 90s was fully a fucking illness. Like everything, (laughs) no one has anything else better to do besides fixating on a child's death and be like, oh my God, we can't imagine how this could happen. It's like, it's because you guys are all sick. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, people like really did have a right to be straight up obsessed. Like it makes sense. Like there were so many weird things about her case. And one of the biggest reasons people are so fixated on it is because there's so much speculation and conspiracy theories about how and why she died. And that's mostly due to all the questions surrounding the case. Because there was a lot of shady shit that happened in this case. Like, her parents are really well-connected and wealthy, so that already raised some eyebrows. The crime scene was very mishandled. There was also, like, a super suspect ransom note. So what do the people of the internet think happened? So people tend to think one of two ways. One group thinks it was a family member that was that killed her and the other believes it was an intruder on the family member side. Some of the reasoning is that people think Patsy wrote the ransom letter. Why do they think that? So there's a couple reasons. Um, one, the ransom letter was super, super fucking long. It was three pages, which is like, honestly, so unusual. Ransom notes are normally in the style of Michael Jordan's facts announcing his return to the NBA. Which is a nod to our previous episode about the 90s Bulls, so please listen. Yeah, his facts just literally said, I'm back. Like, zero other fucks given. I'm back. <laughs> yes. Like, normally a ransom note, because think of it. Like, you normally write it when you're, like, snatching someone from a home, so it's going to be short and sweet. And that's how ransom notes typically are. Um, just, like, pay us, bitch, K-by. And something pretty sketch also was the amount the ransom people were asking for was the exact amount of John Bonet's dad, John Ramsey's Christmas bonus. So everybody was like, wow, what a coincidence. And then the final, like, what the fuck, was that it was written on stationery that was found in the Ramsey's house. Jesus Christ, I don't have to commit a crime to know you shouldn't write a ransom note on your own goddamn stationery, you fucking idiots. <laughs> and... And what's crazy is that, like, 
the amount wasn't just like a clean 100K or something. It was $118,000. Like, yeah, really, really specific. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. But like, I guess we should say like, not trying to get sued. To be clear, the parents were never officially listed as suspects. But in addition to the shady ransom note, the crime scene looked VV staged and the Ramseys also weren't really cooperating with cops at this point. So it just like wasn't a good look for them. And a really major thing to note, again, we're not trying to get sued. Like this is just what happened. Um, the first police officer to arrive at the scene that morning said she like looked around the house, couldn't find anything. So she enlisted the help of um, John Ramsey and his neighbor to search the house for anything unusual. And then immediately upon those directions, John Ramsey just like beeline straight for the basement cellar, which like Sarah mentioned is a wine cellar, where he immediately found John Binet. And though he'd been told to leave everything where he found it, he did the following. He picked her up, carried her upstairs, removed a piece of tape from her mouth, placed her down, and then covered her with a throw blanket, further destroying like all physical evidence. So not trying to judge like a freaked out parent, but this is just kind of like a lot of tampering. Um, So as someone who is borderline obsessed with all things true crime, I can say none of that is normal whatsoever. The last thing you want is someone moving things around, fucking up the crime scene. Um, I can't even imagine that cop's face or like what their life was like after that. Um, So that is the theory about the family. Um, For the intruder theory, John Binet was a child beauty queen and that in itself is bound to attract some unsavory people toward her. AKA pedophiles. Yes, pedos. So the evidence for to like support this theory is that there was a boot print found near her body that didn't belong to anyone in the family. And there was... We'll just leave it at calling it DNA found on her that also didn't belong to a family member. So this theory also seemed to be proven when one of the most famous suspects in this case came forward to confess to her murder. And this fucking weirdo's name was John Mark Carr. And John Mark Carr was a school teacher who was previously arrested for child pornography. Um, He was arrested because he literally confessed to the crime. And said he was with her when she died. And he claimed she died on accident. But it was later proven that it just could not have been him. His storyline didn't line up. He couldn't have been in Boulder at the time. The DNA on her body didn't match his. So, like, just definitely wasn't him. But it took a while to get to get there. Yeah, so obviously not the best time. But in 2010, the case was reopened because authorities were like, wow, we understand what the internet is now and we have DNA technology finally. So let's relook at all of this. And what they found was that they're now thinking there were two people involved in the case of her death and not one. So that was pretty like a big revelation. Yeah, no, that was huge. And then a few years later, around the 20th anniversary of John Bonet's death, there was a huge resurgence in stories about her. And this is a good time for me to bring up the fact that humans die, but charts don't. So oftentimes when a deceased person is finding their way back into the media and public discussion, their chart is being activated in some way. And so, for example, um, the Leo Aquarius eclipses at that began at the end of 2016 would make sense for why there was a resurgence um, for as an interest in John Bonet's case, since she was, again, born on a Leo Aquarius eclipse. And another example is that Karl Marx is having a big year with the return of Marxism and communist ideals. And uh, and Karl Marx's Jupiter was in Capricorn and uh, Jupiter is transiting Capricorn this year. 
So Dana wants you all to join her in her Marxist yeah. adventures. I was actually just find out what Marxism is, and I don't necessarily agree with a lot of it, but I am interested in it. <laughs> He's more my mascot than my like political idealist right now. Oh but my yeah. God. Um. So just like Karl Marx in Dana's <laughs> John Bonet's story, like really blew up. Um, CBS even aired a show featuring FBI forensic experts and even Scotland Yard behavioral and analysts who basically claimed without outright saying it that honestly big fucking deal that her brother Burke who was also a kid at the time he was nine that he was the one who killed her and his parents covered it up and Burke obviously was like not too pleased with this like announcement to the world yeah and we don't have CBS money in case someone sues us so we're being (laughs) we're being very cautious here but like I watched a clip from um from the special where he like went on with Dr. Phil and like that dude has the creepiest smile you've ever seen. Like it it gave me the chills just looking at him and we didn't really t- touch too much on her brother before because there truly are not that many details about him. Like we're not armchair detectives. So if anyone on Reddit wants to help us out here, that'd be awesome. But yes. like presumably John and Patsy spent a lot of time and their money shielding him from the general public for a, for probably a lot of reasons. So, I mean, from Dan- Dana, what we do know about him, like, is there anything interesting in his chart? There is. And also, at least I just want to say that your 12th house moon opens you up to being when you feel someone being creepy, don't think that you're wrong. Okay, so so I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Burke Ramsey has a sun in Aquarius and his moon in Capricorn. So he was born during a new moon phase, which means his life is geared towards like self-development. His Aquarius sun is opposite Jean Benet's sun and conjunct her north node, which suggests that he (gasps) has a role in bringing about Jean Benet's fate in this life. Oh, Um, my God. And his moon is conjunct Neptune, the planet of illusions, which means he might not always have the tightest grip on reality. His Saturn is conjunct Venus, which indicates shyness and feelings of inadequacy. Oh, my God. To me, it's like Burke's son connected with JonBenet's North Node, which is like fate, her destiny. Like he obviously had a role in bringing upon her fate. I mean, once again, not trying to get sued, but I mean, put the fucking pieces together. Dun dun dun! Oh my god! Like <laughs> we've said this several times, and also it's like we are just trying to get by. You know, we're millennials. We've already had a hard time. <laughs> not sue us, but like the skies don't lie. Don't sue us. But to this day, no one has ever <laughs> been charged for Jambonet's murder, and her death remains unsolved. Is there anything more millennial than being like, "Don't sue us. We're totally right. Don't sue yeah, us. We're totally us. right. We're don't totally sue right. Us. We're fully yeah. Don't sue us. We're for sure correct. Don't you dare sue us though." <laughs> <laughs> so recapping all the transits of this case, don't you dare sue us though. Um, on the day Jean Benet died, there was a full moon connecting with her natal Jupiter, which was also her time lord, magnifying Jupiter's ability to bring uh, her to her fate. Pluto was conjunct her part of fortune, indicating that their circumstances were beyond her control. Additionally, her time lord Jupiter was transiting Capricorn this year, which that year which fell in her natal eighth house of death and shared resources. Jupiter is often thought of as the planet of benevolence and luck, but it also signifies great and faded changes. Whew. Yeah, yikes. Um, so yeah, the story of John Bonet, really a dark tale that was truly magnified by the media, the internet, and the planet Jupiter. And also speaking of the internet, um, did you guys know that Burke Ramsey is a software developer? Like all that stuff you said about his chart of being like 
shy and inadequate. I just feel like he's like typing furiously, like typing keys and bots, like to come destroy us as we speak. Um, it really scares me. Um, but speaking I think of his that, dad was one too. Oh so, Mexico's are also software developers that they sold software to like terrorists for uh, 9 11. <laughs> oh my god, we could do that another day, <laughs> but anyway, we'll talk about next week. We like, spent a lot of time trying to get sued. That you say that, <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to get sued, but let's bring up <laughs> Elaine Maxwell and BG. Um, but yeah, we've spent a lot of time in the 90s the past few episodes, um, but. Next week, we're going to examine the chart behind the rise of Anonymous, a totally different internet sensation, but we are here for it. Oh, yeah. Yes. Please leave us a five-star review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to um, because we are correct and we have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And also follow us at Allegedly Astrology on Instagram, which you know, but we're also on Reddit now. And at Allegedly Astro on Twitter for more news or if you want to book a chart reading. Thank you. Bye. Bye.